Time now for the SCL Mortgage Show with your host, Sandy Clough, and co-host, Larry Jager. Stay tuned as we discuss everything mortgage. Educate, form, entertain. It's the SCL Mortgage Show. Now, here's your host, Sandy Clough, with mortgage industry veteran, Larry Jager. And good morning. Welcome to our January 15th, 2022 edition of the SCL Mortgage Show. I'm Sandy Clough, alongside Larry Jager, the president of SCL Mortgage. We're now in mid-January. 2022 is off to a very busy start, and we want right off the top to identify for our listeners the phone number by which you can contact SCL Mortgage, 303-790-2222. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website. Larry, we're into uh, mid-January, which means football playoffs, and for a sixth straight year, Unfortunately, no Bronco participation uh, in those playoffs. I know. We won't be doing any more game predictions until September. However, we can do some playoff predictions sure. if you wish. You have some strong feelings on all of this. And uh, as we know, some of the playoff activity will take place today right. as well as tomorrow and for the first time on Monday night. It will be a National Football League playoff game. I know. This is a lot of firsts uh, this year. So um, good morning, Sandy. It's good to be here, as always. I, I look forward to this every single week. Um, yes, I, I would like to talk a little bit of football and talk about the AFC, NFC. So here's my thoughts on the NFC. Of course, my wife is a Bucks fan, so... She's going to vo- certainly voice her opinion on that. And I'm kind of, I'm a Midwest guy, so I'm kind of a Packers fan, right? So um, it's going to be really interesting. Those two teams are going to end up, I think, in Don't the championship think? game again. Yes. Yeah. I, that, that's and clearly Green what Bay I see. Again. Again. So that's, that's a little clearer on the AFC side of the fence. Um, you know, everybody <laughs> talks about the Chiefs. Um, I happen to think the Bills could very well be in there. So I, I, I think I'd rather see the Bills than the Chiefs. Uh, I know the Chiefs want to get back there, but um, I, I don't know what what's you probably the th- Broncos made the Chiefs look a little vulnerable. It, yeah. Almost as if Kansas City couldn't decide last week whether it really wanted to play all out or not. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> and and really, the fact that they won. Uh, had to be pretty sure that Tennessee would take care of business the next day anyway. So I I think it was hard to play it the way, for example, the Chargers and Raiders did Sunday night, where the winner went to the playoffs, and unless it was a tie, the loser, well, there wouldn't be a loser and a tie, but the loser would go home. And there wasn't that kind of desperation attached to Kansas City's play. I don't know quite what to make of that. Uh, the Chiefs were holding out some guys who were sort of hurt, didn't play very much, Tyreek Hill, for example. Right. But I think Buffalo is kind of the wild card. And I'll give you another team. Cincinnati with this Joe Burrow, uh, Jamar Chase combination. Yeah. Uh, the new Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice. That's a force to be uh, reckoned that's, with. Absolutely. Uh, that's an offensive force to be reckoned with for sure. And... You know, they haven't won a playoff game in more than 30 years. So, you kind of want what a better form, time man. like uh, than the present to uh, get back on track and at least win one playoff game, which would get them uh, into uh, the divisional round. And they've been better on the road than they've been at home. That's this right. Year. Good point. So, Good point. if they have to travel, I think that in some ways makes them more dangerous. 
in any case, I'm going to put forth an offer for you. Okay. You're out of the game prediction business, but over the next few weeks, with your wide-ranging connections, you're not only going to tell us who the next coach of the Broncos is going to be, (laughs) you're going to tell us who the next owner of the Denver Broncos is going to be, unless it's you, and then you're allowed to keep that secret, because I know lying at home between the... uh, sofa cushions you could probably dig up four to five billion dollars yeah yeah i i was thinking, scl's doing well I could, why not <laughs> i could come up with uh five grand if you if you got the rest i think we'd be a good team that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we, we'd have to fight though over who would be controlling owner oh. i think it might be you with uh, your vast uh, knowledge <laughs> of uh, uh finances and so on and uh um, I just blame you if things went wrong. There you I, go. I could blame <laughs> you if things went wrong if uh, if you're at least nominally uh, in charge. Listen, in all seriousness, let's get to uh, some interest rate conversation because this is always interesting. Over these past couple of months, they've come down, then they've inched up. Uh, your prediction of a measurable rise in the first quarter of 2022 – Do you have a sense in mid-January that that prediction will come true or perhaps is even now coming true? The latter, Um, or I should say both, because yes, unfortunately, it is going to come true and unfortunately already has come true to some degree. So right now, you know, we had talked about from the reports I read, the stats I read from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Mortgage Bankers Association, rates were going to go up and the new norm was going to be maybe 3.75%, maybe even 4%. Well, unfortunately, we're, we're almost there and we're talking, we're in the middle of January right now. So, but the Fed keeps talking about inflation, inflation, they're nervous about it, and, and all markets don't like nervous or don't like uncertainty. So unfortunately, listeners, or fortunately, let me say, let me give you the good news first. Rates are still really good. Okay, so don't think you shouldn't call if you haven't refinanced, <clears throat> excuse me, or if you want to buy, you really should call us. But the reality is, is that interest rates have gone up, and they are higher now than they were a month ago. And that's probably going to continue. So, again, not to uh, be chicken little and the sky is falling kind of thing, but the reality is is interest rates are still really good, but they are going to go up. And the Fed is still saying, am I correct, that they're going to raise rates maybe two to three times this year? Yes, and, and likely in the first quarter because inflation is just going crazy right now. And this is one way that they can, um, one thing they can do to curb that, right? I mean, we're talking about six, 7% inflation right now. 7% that's a, was what I read about this. That's week. exactly right. That's a number we haven't seen in forever. So of course that's got the Fed nervous. And, and if they can raise the rates and slow that down, then that's what they're going to do. And that's their job to, you know, keep us all protected. So Listeners, I, I, w- I would just say to you, pick up the phone, give us a call, and, and listen to the, the balance of the show, if you would, please, because I think Sandy and I are going to talk about some things uh, later in the show where, okay, interest rates have gone up, but that's not necessarily a bad thing if you can still save money. So hang in there with us. we got a lot of good stuff coming. You are so great at explaining things in a way that's understandable, so I'm going to give you a chance to explain to our listeners 
how rising interest rates can affect their ability to buy a house. And you always have stories. You always have examples. Uh, Can you give us one example as to uh, how these rising rates might, in an anecdotal sense at least, affect somebody's ability to buy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can. In fact, um I, I did a little bit of math, and it's it's super simple. I could even do it in my head. But I'm sorry for using the word anecdotal. Of course, you did the math. <laughs> I actually like math. Believe it or not, I I have this engineering background, and and I got out of school and did that for about a year, and then all of a sudden I'm in the mortgage business. So, but anyway, if you think about this, Sandy, take a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage, right? And let's say the interest rate was three percent. So four times three is 12. That's $12,000 a year in interest you're going to pay on that mortgage. That doesn't include any principal. Let's just talk about the interest portion. So that's $1,000 a month. Very simple math. Well, 3% is hard to get these days. So now it's gone up a little bit, not necessarily at four, but I'm going to use four as an example. So let's take that same $400,000 mortgage and let's say the interest rate is 4%. Well, four times four is 16. So now you're going to spend $16,000 a year in interest on that mortgage as opposed to 12. That's a difference of $4,000, a difference of $333 a month. Well, that's a, uh, that's a fair amount. And, and if you look at you know loans, people, we have to look at their income to debt ratios, credit, down payment, and income to debt. So if you throw an additional $333 a month plus the principal, all of a sudden it's harder for people to qualify. So it, it's an absolute correlation. Rates go up, it's harder to qualify. And, and home values are going up, home prices are going up. So it's a, you know, it's a bit of a problematic, I would say. But again, listeners, if you call now, you can still get really good rates. If you're thinking about buying, it's a good time to jump into that market and make it happen. Well, we're still in low single digit, yeah. so we're not like you and I were in January of 19, remember? I was going to bring that up, and I'm glad you remember the year because the time goes so fast. That was three years ago. We were yeah. talking about 5% five, more than that. Five and a quarter. Five yeah. and a quarter. Five and a quarter, and we thought that was a pretty good rate. So three and three quarters, 4% today is better than it was three years ago. And so it's still a great time to own a house at those interest rates. You told me during the break, you want to talk about refinancing with uh, cash out uh, this segment, uh, the break that uh, we had before we came on the air uh, when you arrived. And uh, uh, we'll do some of that uh, uh analysis and have a conversation about it when we continue right here with the SCL Mortgage Show on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. And the SCL Mortgage Show continues now. We broadcast every Saturday morning between 7 and 8 a.m. We'll talk a little bit later about Larry's other assignment each weekend of a Sunday morning version of the SCL Mortgage Show with Nate Jackson. And Larry, that runs between 7.30 and 8 a.m. year-round. Football season or not. Every Sunday, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. You told me earlier you wanted to talk about refinancing with cash out for this segment. And we talk about that a lot during the week in uh, the testimonials we do for uh, SCL Mortgage. Uh, What exactly do you have in mind? Uh, And before you answer, uh, I, I know you've said in the past you're not a fan of debt, 
but maybe the right kind of debt is okay. Do I have that right? That that's that's exactly right, Sandy. And and I, when I say I'm not a fan of debt, I'm not a, a fan of consumer debt because um, consumer debt is not tax deductible, right? Your credit cards, your auto loan, unless you're able to use it for business, um, personal lines of credit, student loans, that stuff. Now, you know, most of us have to have some debt or do have some debt. And, and um, you know, if you have to, then, then you have to. But my thought process, my goal is to work at getting rid of that debt because it's it's not tax deductible and it's expensive interest and it's there every month every month. So so I would say some form of debt is okay. For example, in your mortgage. Not that you should use your house as a piggy bank and run up your credit cards and you know go buy this toy and that toy. I I'm I'm definitely not a fan of that. But if you can use that equity for good purposes, refi, cash out and you can pay off that interest that's not tax deductible, to me, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, everybody on the radio and TV talks about cash out, refinance, save 200 a month. Oh, everybody's talking about 900 a month. Everybody's talking that same thing. So, So I would say, you know, it used to be lower your payment, do this, do that. But think about this, listeners. Interest rates have gone up. So maybe your house payment is, well, whatever the house payment is, let's say it's 2,500 bucks. Think about this. If we could have a conversation with you and we could do the math and we could say, if you took out $25,000, $50,000 of equity out of your house. Now, with 50000 we can pay off a lot of stuff. Maybe we can pay off that car loan. Maybe we can pay off all your credit cards. So let's say even if your mortgage payment went up a couple hundred dollars, if we can eliminate seven, $900 a month, $1,000 a month in, in payments, you're still ahead of the game, $700, $800 every single month. So that's something we should consider, I think, because back to what we said earlier, Sandy, is that that credit card interest of 20% is not deductible. But the interest on your mortgage may very well be, and let's say that's at 3 or 4%, it's deductible, it's significantly less interest, and oh, by the way, your payment goes up a couple hundred bucks. Maybe we'd have to do the math in every particular situation. But if you're still saving seven, eight, nine hundred dollars a month, to me that makes good sense. And you get rid of that debt that just doesn't go away. It just, you know, the average household carries about seventeen thousand um, dollars of credit card debt. In some cases, it's significantly more. But not a lot of people can write a check for $17,000. So you sort of inch away at it month by month by oh, month. Oh, sure. You know, right. Sure. And it, you've said don't zero out. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. Just use it, pay it off. Use it, pay it off. You don't have to zero it out. But if you keep the balances like 20% of the limit, that's awesome for your credit scores. The problem is, is if you get up into the 75 80% of the limit, and you carry those balances consistently, that's really hard on your FICO score. It really, really is. So I, I, I think it's worth a, a conversation and sort of a comprehensive approach to it. Every family's different. Every single household is different. So there's, there's more than one way to have success at this. 
And if that refi cash out makes makes sense for some people or a lot of people, we should look at it. And once you do the math, then it becomes very easy to understand. So we're, we're a big proponent of let's look at all your options and pick what's best for your family. Why don't we move to housing uh, okay. if we can here? And I know you've said you think there's a shortage and housing prices are likely to increase. You talked about that earlier. Yep. Uh, at least a little bit in 2022. But tell our listeners why there is a shortage and where is the demand coming from? Great questions. In fact, I was I was encouraging you before we started the show to ask me that because I did a little research this week and a lot of stuff I already knew, but I wanted to wanted to make sure. So here's here's what I found. The U.S. is short of about five million homes right now, underbuilt five million based on the demand. Right. And normally there's a six month supply of homes on the market. So and right now we have 30 days supply on the market. So we're we're way short. Now there there's reasons for that. You know, COVID is um is a people were nervous and and weren't sure, but now that's sort of behind us to some degree. So people are thinking, you know what? It's time to buy. The millennials, I want to get out of my parents' basement. And that's happening in droves, Sandy. Really? It, it really is. Yeah. Millennials are realizing that home ownership is a good thing. It's a way to build up equity and cash and and a nest egg. So that's making uh, that's causing demand. The um, you know sadly we had that that fire in Boulder County yes. a couple of weeks ago, which was was horrible. But we lost roughly a thousand homes. So those things factor into it too. When you have a natural disaster, a thousand homes are gone. So now those poor folk they have to start over. And then, okay, am I going to rebuild? Then I have to get a permit. I have to get the the insurance to reimburse us. And that's a whole process, and it takes a long time. So natural disasters factor into it when um, when we have stuff like that, and it creates you know an even bigger shortage of houses. And and the supply chain issue going on right now, lumber prices did come down. For, for several months, but now they've gone back up. So you know what it's done? It's added about $19,000 to every house being built, the increased cost of lumber. So that stuff all factors into it in, in, in a less than good way. But I would say that if you need to buy a house, want to buy a house, should buy a house, it's time to get pre-approved. While interest rates are still here, the demand is still there. Now, it's a process, folks, I'm telling you, but we can get you pre-approved. If you don't have a really good realtor, we can set you up with one. Somebody will take care of you and, and you know, no pressure, no anything like that. Just just get you into a home and, and be patient, but start today. Start today and just stick with it, and you will be successful if you follow the right steps. I wanted to get your reaction, and I was remiss in not asking you about it last week, uh, to what took place not only in Boulder but in Louisville and in yeah. uh, Superior. And uh, I was talking to a, a friend uh, this week who's familiar with the area and a close friend of mine who uh, uh, works uh, uh, at or near the top of the athletic department at the University of Colorado, had the experience of the fire come through his neighborhood, but it didn't just have a domino effect wiping out one house and then the next and the next. It skipped around oh. with all the winds. Oh, yeah. And fortunately, it missed his house. But wow. there were several homes 
that were wiped out. He was blessed. Well, his Oof. house was not touched. And I'm wondering what kind of effect all of that has on you. I assume you do some business. Oh, yeah. In those towns. That That's a great question, and I'm going to answer it. Um, but first, I'm going to tell you, I have a... A friend who this family's been friends of ours forever. He's a uh, battalion chief in Westminster. So, of course, he was called in to help with this fire. And for, I think he's, gosh, at least two decades, maybe more, he's been a firefighter. He said this is by far the worst they've seen in his lifetime. And and we know it, it, it was devastating. But back to your question, it does have a pretty good um, impact on us because if we have loans going in that area, or maybe we're in the middle of process of the loan and the house is all of a sudden gone, well, obviously we have to stop the loan. We can't close the loan. And then Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and, and all these folks will come out with guidelines as to what we have to do in these areas that are affected. If it's a fire in Colorado, or if it's a, a flood in Louisiana, or if it's any kind of natural disasters like that, Everything goes on hold. It just has to stop. You Maybe the appraiser has to go back out there and make sure there's no damage, or if there is, what do we do about it? So it's a big, big deal in our world, especially more so in our world now that we're lending in a lot of states. But this this Colorado thing, we had unfortunately had several loans just go on hold because... But you know what? Um, these people are resilient. I heard so many interviews about... We love this area. We'll be back. We'll rebuild. Our, we love our friends, our families, our neighbors, all this here. So, you know, um, uh, Godspeed be with them, and, and yeah. it'll, uh, it'll come back. Uh, lots to talk about, and we will uh, continue our conversation in just a few moments uh, as we get to customer emails. And these are always interesting to me because they reveal what people are thinking about. Yeah. At the present time. And uh, a lot of them are very surprising. And with the increased sophistication of uh, the emailers, uh, questions that I certainly wouldn't think to ask come out of these customer emails. It's a favorite segment of ours. And we'll continue with your emails all received within the last week at SCL Mortgage, 303-790-2222, myspecialmortgage.com. Customer emails are next on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. This is the SCL Mortgage Show on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. I'm Sandy Clough alongside Larry Jager. This is one of our favorite segments each week because uh, the emails we receive are all freshly delivered, Great. all have come in within the last seven days. You always have a huge stack of them, and we'll get to those in just a second, but we want to make people mindful of the SCL Mortgage Show Sunday edition with Nate Jackson, 7.30 to 8 a.m., and I know uh, Nate has been an extremely quick study. He has been. It's um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a thirty minute show, not the sixty minutes that you and I do. But that's okay because we cover a lot of ground. He asks some really good questions. Um, it, it's a fun show to do. He enjoys doing it, and as you do, it, it comes across that way. So it's it's educating, informing, and and even entertaining. So um, if you uh, if you can, please tune back in uh, tomorrow morning with Nate and I. All right, let's get to the emails. Okay. 
So the first one came from Will, who said, "I'm look. Oh, this is interesting, Sandy. I'm looking for information on a stated income loan program. I want to make a purchase, but I'm not able to provide income documentation. I think I've heard you talk about this on the fan, but some time ago. So, Will, you are absolutely right. We have talked about this. So the days of stated income loans are are gone. That, they went away in 2012 it, or 2010, rather. It's been it's been some time, but we've replaced it with I think an equally as good program. So before Sandy, a stated income loan was if you put 20 percent down, you state your income, and we didn't have to provide any proof of that. Well. Then that those got it, it turned out to be not such a good thing, and that's why Dodd Frank got involved, and now we have all this regulation. But what we've replaced that with will is a bank statement loan program. So we don't need your tax returns, don't need your income documentation. We simply are going to look at your bank statements, twelve or twenty-four months, and we're going to see that you make money because you've got all these deposits. That's how we're going to qualify you. So. Um, bad news, stated income's gone, but good news is we have our bank statement loan program for self-employed people. Okay, so um, this came from Terry, who said, um, I want to talk to you about a bad experience without getting too negative, he says, but I know my daughter was referred to you. He referred his daughter to us to to do their loan. And we were we were pre-approved and they were shopping and they found a house. And then the realtor told them about this credit union that had this really, really good program. So she said, gosh, I'm sorry, guys, but this sounds like something that would better suit our needs. So uh, we said, OK, that's that's OK. You know, no, no hard feelings. So this this guy Terry referred his daughter to us. So we're talking about <clears throat> excuse me, we're talking about the daughter. So then he emails and says the first one was unresponsive and they couldn't get anything done. Then they were referred by their realtor to another credit union who said they could do the same loan. Well, they ended up it was kind of a bait and switch without telling my daughter, but she discovered it in some paperwork. So it was not a good story. They were not very happy. I mean, think about it. When you, you find that home and you this is the home you want, you move in emotionally, you've already got your furniture in different places. So he goes on to say she felt bad <clears throat> about SEL, but I assured her you would welcome her back with open arms. Thanks for taking such good care of my daughter. Well, of course, we welcomed her back with open arms, and I know for a fact that loan got approved, and now we're just sitting waiting to close. So, unfortunately, she had some bad experiences, but the end result was, was all happy good. Happy ending. Yeah, happy ending. Okay, so um, this is from Lee, who said simply, I'm looking for a mortgage to buy a property. It's just over a million dollars. Uh, does SEL Mortgage have any mortgages available in this price range? Um, absolutely, we do, Lee. It's, it's a jumbo loan. We do jumbo loans all day long. So, yeah, I'm assuming you have credit and you have a down payment and, and all that good stuff. So our jumbo loans, Sandy, those interest rates are really, really good right now. And there's just there's a lot of money out there Um private, whether it's life insurance or or hedge funds or whomever that have all this money and they want to invest it. So they're investing it in mortgages. 
So, yeah, that, that's what's making these interest rates so good on these jumbo loans. So thanks for the uh, email, Lee, and thanks for listening. Uh, let's see. This came from James, who said, I would like to talk to someone about seeing if I have the possibility of qualifying for a mortgage. So that's what we do, James. That's what we do every day, all day. So we, I'm sure you've been, um, had a conversation with a loan officer already. I see this came in about midweek this week. So, um, we're going to find out about, you know, what your goals are, if you can qualify based on your income, based on your credit, based on your down payment, if you have that. And then uh, let's see about getting you into a house and turning you into um, a homeowner as opposed to a home renter. That's always a success when we can do that. Uh, okay. So this came from Jesse, who said, uh, I'm looking for a home for my family and I. I just don't have the best of credit. But I have heard you on 104.3, he says, 104.3, the fan, and maybe you can help me. So, Jesse, we're absolutely going to give it a try. We, we're going we're gonna to look at your credit report. We see all three bureaus. We see all three scores. And more times than not, there are things we can do to help you or advise you. Or if we need to get one of our industry partners involved the uh, credit restoration firm, we will do that. And they can, they really can work some magic. It may take a few months, but at least we attack the problem now if it is a problem and let's get you into the highest credit scores possible and then we can get you into uh, the best loan program for you and your family. Okay, this came from Ben who said very simply, looking for refinancing options Radio station Denver. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be you and I, Sandy, or, or Nate and I. Um, looking for refinance options. Well, I, I think he's saying that because he's heard us on the radio and we talk about options all the time. So uh, I, I really appreciate the email, Ben, and you're um, using that word because that's something we pride ourselves in is giving you and your family options. Okay, uh, Sandy, this came from Don, who said, I would like to chat with someone regarding buying a different home that has a outbuilding on it. We want to combine what we pay in rent uh, and what we pay in our existing mortgage. However, my husband is self-employed. He would move his business into this location. So that's okay. That's, that's perfectly fine. We see that a lot where people... You know, maybe he's renting a building or he's paying rent somewhere for his business. If he could have an outbuilding on the property they live in, then he's got a mortgage payment. He doesn't have a mortgage payment and a business rental payment. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's perfectly fine. We we have no issues with that at all. There's a, In Colorado, there's a lot of properties that have acreage, whether it be 5 or 10 or 20. We can go up to 40 acres on a property that has outbuildings or, or more than one outbuilding on it. So um, thank you for the email. Okay, so Craig said, Sandy, uh, I'm looking for deals or more information on refinancing since we are both self-employed. I've heard you talk about this on a number of occasions, and hopefully you can help us. 
Well, Craig, that's exactly what we're going to do is we're going to help you. We're going to get our bank statement program for self-employed people, start having that conversation, and see if we can't get you into a new loan. Our thanks to Will, Terry, Lee, James, Jesse, Ben, Dawn, and Craig for your emails this week, and we'll have a bunch more next week, of course. When we continue, uh, we'll pick up on uh, the subject matter that uh, many of these emailers were talking about. Bank statement loans for the self-employed. Why is SCL Mortgage getting so many of these bank statement uh, emails uh, coming through in these early days of January? We'll talk about that next as the SCL Mortgage Show continues on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. And as we continue now on the SCL Mortgage Show, Sandy Clef with Larry Jager, the president of SCL Mortgage, we want to remind you that the phone number by which you can contact SCL is 303-790-2222. MySpecialMortgage.com is the website, and it is a website you update and tweak on a regular basis. You know what, Sandy? You're right. And I'm going to invite uh, our friend Carrie um, either on next weekend or the following weekend because it's been a while since he's been on. He's a great guest, and he's the guy who built and, and is constantly tweaking that website to provide as much information as possible and make it very customer-friendly, very user-friendly, and ability to apply online. All of our loan programs are there. So, yes, we're going to have him on uh, shortly, and that'll be, a, that'll be another good show. You seem to be getting a lot of uh, bank statement emails, uh, I've we? noticed, especially this week. Why do you think that is? I think it is, Sandy, that we are one of the very, very few lenders, mortgage companies in Colorado that offer that program. So the word is getting out more and more as as you and I and Nate and I keep talking about this loan program. Um, I think self-employed people have, you know, that we all have a need for money on, on different occasions, whether it's this need or that need or whatever it is. But Self-employed people, you know, prior to us bringing this program out, um, what, six years ago now, um, they they didn't have access to, to cash, to capitals, whether they want to grow their business, whether they want to, you know, take some money out of their house, whether they want to, whatever they want to do. And now that we've been talking about this program for so long, we're generating more and more interest on it. And I think that's the reason we're getting all these emails um, people either want to lower their interest rate, they want to take some cash out for whatever their their needs are, and they can do that now uh, with a bank statement loan program. They don't have to provide their tax returns. So to me, that's a, it's a cool thing reading these emails and all these inquiries about the bank statement loan. That was the signature program at SCL Mortgage from the beginning. Right. Correct, as right. we've talked about. Yeah, when you know when we first started the company um, six plus years ago, um, yeah, actually we're going on seven years in this month, January. So <clears throat> we, you know, as a mortgage company, we decided we wanted to have all the loan programs, all the traditional loan programs, and and like most other mortgage companies, but we wanted more. So, and I, I found I stumbled on this program. It was just being introduced to the country. Um, and I, I wanted to learn as much about it as possible because I thought this is a program that's going to be very, very successful, and a lot of people out there could use this program. And as it turns out, a lot of people are. I think you've hinted at the past that one of the reasons, I mean, we're talking about seven years ago. Right. 
that more firms have not picked up on bank statement loans is because it's hard to explain. Not the only reason, but they feel it's too hard to explain, too complicated, and people won't understand it. And one of the things I felt so comfortable about with you at the beginning was that you were able to explain it in language that even I could understand. And I <laughs> well, certainly at the beginning was no mortgage expert. Not much of one now, but at the beginning I didn't know anything. And you explained how that works in a way that most anyone could understand. It Well, to us it's, it's really simple because we've been doing it for so long and we've closed so many loans and so many happy customers. But it's different because it's more of a manual process so we, we process the loan. It's a manual underwrite. It's not like, um, you know, the larger mortgage companies that only do Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, VA loans. You put all that information into an automated underwriting system, and it gives you an approve eligible. So then you just prove what you said, and you're done. You're, you're good to go. And we do that, too, for our conventional loans. But this is a different sort of animal. I mean, you have to clearly understand the guidelines. You have to clearly know how to process it and underwrite it and be able to close it. And many people just don't want to go there. And that's it's okay. too much trouble. It's, uh, it's especially for big banks. Big. Oh, for sure. Big banks. I don't I don't know of any bank out there that would offer this program. They are um, they're still in the tax return mode. And, and that's just fine. Um, I, I like to be a little more innovative. I like to offer more programs so we can help more people. So. This bank statement program has been, it's been so good for so many people. We're going to shift gears. Different okay. kind of question for you, and you're prepared for anything. How long do people live in their homes nowadays? Wow, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, it, the, number, the number of years has gone up. Right now, it's about 10 years that people are staying in their homes. It used to be, I remember, you know, 34 years I've been doing this now. There was yep. a time when it was two to three to five years. Yep. And then it went from maybe five to six years. And maybe because of growing families and, and whatever need, people want to buy a bigger home. But now people are camping out for, for 10 years in their home. And I think it's because, you know, they like their home. They like their neighbors. They like the area. They like the schools. They like whatever. And so why do we want to move? Let's just stay. Let's refinance and get a lower rate, and let's stay in our house a longer period of time. Now, maybe when you're empty nesters, like my wife and I, you know, we have a big house that we we may not need all this. And so, at some point, maybe we will move. But the dynamics have changed. So, yeah, people are staying in their homes longer, and maybe they're doing cash out refinances and remodeling and you know, what's fitting their needs today versus five, eight, ten years ago. So interesting question. That Yeah, that number has gone up. It is interesting because uh, in my experience growing up uh, uh, early in my life, we moved all the time. And Did you we really? We were well within those two or three years yeah. uh, that the, the average um, used to be, and that was – almost 60 years ago, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but we finally found a home in Westchester County, and we had access to New York City and mm. to Connecticut yep. uh, for uh, job transportation and, and the like. And uh, we ended up staying in that house for about 13 years. Wow. Um, That's uh, 
My wife would Before know. Before my parents became empty nesters and then oh. they moved. Then, 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 right, right. Yeah, I, I, my wife would know exactly what you're talking about. I think I have an idea, but uh, Westchester County. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. So, yeah, that's an uh, interesting story. But now your parents are moved out and that house is sold. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, distant memory. Um, I, I suppose people refinance to a very low rate over the last two years don't want to sell and give up that rate, right? That's, well, uh, that's funny you say that because that that is a thought that grows, goes through people's minds. Maybe I should stay here because now I have this low, super low rate and rates have gone up a little bit. So I can't get that rate again. And gosh, this little payment is kind of cool. And I don't I don't want to change that. But I would say to people that. You know, sometimes life happens and you have to move or you have a job transfer or oh, yeah. there's any number of sure. things that, that go on in, in one's lifetime that, that creates a move or creates a, a need for a refinance. But, yeah, if you've got – I mean, I, I remember we did a lot of 15-year loans at 1.99%. That's pretty pretty attractive rate. So, you, you know, it comes down to what are your needs today and – Let's do the math and let's see what makes sense for you. And and maybe a refinance does, like we had talked about earlier in the show. Okay, you've got a 2.5% rate, but you have this debt out there that's just looming over you. Okay, so maybe we should do a refinance and take out some cash. Get rid of that big, ugly monster. And so your payment goes up a little bit, but you get rid of that big payment. Yes. So the, for that reason, it may be okay. You know, I, I think your financial household is something you should look at every single year and analyze it. And there's still any number of ways where you can you can do the best you very the very best you can with your financial household, and eventually get that mortgage paid off. But get rid of that consumer debt, and and slowly by slowly by slowly you build that big nest egg. So when the retirement years come around, you're set. You're in good shape. You don't have to worry about it. There's so many things you can do to make the best financial household in your house. And that's why we're here. That's that's part of what we do, Sandy. We should mention before we're done today some of the loan programs that we don't talk about as often. USDA, P&L loans, DSCR loans, uh, ITIN loans. Uh, Say a few things about that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We have um, we have so much to talk about. This hour goes by so fast, and then sometimes we forget about these. But yes, for listeners that don't do it, we do do USDA loans. Uh, These loans are really designed for people who live in rural areas, and the financing is really good. It's a hundred percent financing, but it does need to be in a rural area. So for our listeners in say Lyman or wherever you may be. This may be perfectly uh, applicable to you. And then our, our P&L loans are kind of tied to or an offshoot of our bank statement loans. If people have bank statements that they want to provide, or maybe they even have a P&L, one year or two years profit and loss statement, we can use those, those statements to prove income as well. So keep that in your mind. And then we have talked a little in the past about DCSR. It's called our Debt Service Coverage Ratio Loan, which is really designed for people that have or want to own investment properties. So we don't have to see any income documentation other than the rent that's coming in. And if the rent satisfies or services the mortgage payment, that's a great program. 
um, ITIN loans or for people that uh, it, ITIN stands for um, Individual Taxpayer Identification Number. For people that are here in this country legally, uh, they don't have a Social Security number, but they have an ITIN loan or ITIN number. Um, we're happy to help those folks. And and there are a pretty significant number of those people in this country. They're here, they work hard, they want a home for their family. And so that's that's the program designed for them. It's been a pleasure again today, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. It's great to be here. We'll see you on the 22nd. And Larry will be back with Nate Jackson tomorrow morning here on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan at 7.30 for the 30-minute edition of the SCL Mortgage Show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. Thanks for listening to the SEL Mortgage Show with Sandy Clough and mortgage expert Larry Jager. If you missed a portion of the show or want to listen to the program again, listen to podcasts at the SCLMortgageShow.com. Questions or assistance with a loan? Call their main office in Denver at 303-790-2222 or online at MySpecialMortgage.com, NMLS, 120 